Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of another OU Football Podcast. My name is Joe Petner. Joining me today is Dash Riprock himself, Mr. Tyler Palmatier. How are you doing, Tyler? Dash Riprock. Dash <laughs> Riprock. I'm doing good, Joe. How are you? I'm good. I'm really glad. I don't know how many people know your Barry Trammell-given nickname, but I want to introduce the world to it today. Yeah. I hope Barry's okay with that. I think um, I think it would help Barry because a lot of people usually ask him, "What's your nickname? What that, I, what that means?" I kind of, I kind of ask. Most people that. don't know. It's a, uh, it's a care. No, it's an actor f- who played. Um, wait, no, is it an actor? It's the character from. It's a character from Beverly Hillbillies, the original uh, show, back in the '60s, uh, played by the actor Larry Pinnell, who. Um, he died August 28, 2013. So, wow. you yeah, just putting that out there, you know, paying my respects. That's that's who Dash Riprock is. He was a guy on Beverly Hillbillies, so that's me. I've never seen it, personally. I just remember that dad, Cletus, I think was his name. And I always kind of remember that granny. She seemed sweet. None of this means anything to me. <laughs> But that's kind of just my existence at the Norman Transcript. Like, Clay, all the time, will bring up some relief pitcher from the 70s and will tell me how great he was. I feel like anybody who's 25 or younger in 2019 just likes to, when you bring up anything that happened pre-1980, is like, why should I have any clue this ever happened? As if history just, as if Google isn't a thing. As if pop culture only goes back to, like, 1985. I like what I'm interested in. I'm sorry. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. We're in a, we are recording live from, uh, well, it won't be live by the time it gets to you, but we're in, we're in the much quieter conference room here at the Transcript today. My office is a little louder. Um, I'm overlooking, um, what is that, Comanche Street out in front of us. The Transcript is located at the corner of Comanche and Peters. If yes. you want to come by and say hello. say hello, let us know you're down there. We might come, we might be around. Get an autograph from Tyler Palmatier. <laughs> you know, I signed an autograph you, in this office the other you, day. I mean, you've signed out. This isn't the first time you've ever signed. An I don't autograph. know what's wrong with people. I, I think I, I this think was a, this was a clear people. setup. I don't know what happened. So what we're ta- ref- referring to, we put out. It was the magazine, correct? Yes. We put out um, our 125 years OU football magazine, and someone came by to have Tyler sign their copy. That's not entirely true. I think something else. They were like getting a bunch of Heisman winners to sign it and OU people, and they were talking to an ad rep, and I don't know if there was confusion. I don't know if she wanted me to actually sign this or not, but like <laughs> it was pitched to me to sign this by one of the people that standing there, and I, have had, I said a couple times, I was like, are you sure you want me to do this? And here she, we are. She did. Yeah. She definitely did. Might have devalued it. They're only five dollars, so that one. It's like two fifty now. <laughs> yeah, half point. off. <laughs> well, um, based off of this lovely intro, you can tell it's OU Kansas week because yeah. there's not much really going on with OU football other than just people leaving it uh, for for greener pastures, I guess. Uh, but coming off of this um, OU Texas Tech game, which Tyler, you were a part of the post game pr- uh, podcast, yeah. so we, we do have your thoughts. Mm-hmm. We have them recorded. But to kind of put a bow on what that game was for Oklahoma, once again we see another really good defensive performance from the Sooners who haven't really had 
a type of performance like that where you have like a backup come in in Jet Duffy and I mean this is uh, honestly it's two backups because Alan Bowman's not playing for the Red Raiders so it's Jackson Tyner and it's Jet Duffy playing splitting time and OU did something that they haven't done in a while and it's you know have a guy that is supposed to be a reserve look like that and the talent so true the talent difference is just it, it, it's cra- it's crazy what I, what this defensive coaching staff has been able to do so far this season because this is just not something OU's done really well is they they really do play down to their competition and as far as defensively they they make guys like Zeb Nolan look like Heisman contenders and you know I feel like I pick on Zeb the most but it's because his name is Zeb but Texas Tech came into this game and th- there wasn't a whole lot of promise and Oklahoma showed that they looked like the number six team in the country going going up against a helpless unranked team. Yeah, and didn't Baylor have a backup in 2017? That I mean, that's a long seems like a long time ago. But I, I you, to your Smith. point, yeah, I think it was they like were Zach going Smith or Charlie Brewer. I feel like they were going through some sort of like uh, turnover at the position from injuries. But to your point, like backup quarterbacks have also shredded Oklahoma's defense before and. Yeah, that's that's as good as Oklahoma's played defense in years. I think it's fair to say that, and you know, you know, it's not it's not hyperbole. I mean, they were much better. Um, I forgot the number, but I don't think Tech completed a pass over thirty yards. I think they completed one over twenty five yards, um, which is crazy. I mean, when you consider the history, I know they don't have the guys they've once had, and they essentially played started a, their third string quarterback, which. It's a different conversation when we kind of covered the other night, but uh, Oklahoma's defense is much better. I remember thinking that they they still looked just as disruptive as they had in the past against Texas Tech. I mean, you know, this season against Texas Tech, they looked disruptive as they had, and then you get to Monday and Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, they were like, we we just aren't good enough up front. They just, which I get why that is. Um, you know, they didn't like the way they played because in the system that Alex Grinch has, they want, you know, with a single-gap system where those defensive linemen are supposed to be making plays, their numbers should be higher. I think the threshold, their standard for the the defensive line is higher. I always hear players talk about the standard. Have you ever heard Neville Gallimore say this? I feel like they all talk about the, some they, yeah. ambiguous standard that they have. I've heard it a lot, and I am always like, what does this mean? And I kind of – I don't know if this is tr- true, but I mean – I think when they say it goes back to the standard, it's, look, and I could be wrong. This is just my opinion. But I think it's coaches saying, look, you are in a system where you're just supposed to block, hold blocks. Like, you have put you in a system where you are free to make plays. So it's kind of like um, being given all the tools at a sales position and like not going out and just like making your commission. Yeah. Is that a bad analogy? No, I mean, like, I, I do feel like the, I, I get what you're saying. It's like setting somebody up. They are set up for success, so, like, coaches have to see those numbers. And if they're not, like, to to people who are watching this defense who's, that has not been very good, I think people are like, wow, like, they really are more disrupt. I think it's been a long time since people have seen good defense. I mean, it's crazy to to write about good defense this year or where they're at, I think. Can, I think it can be said it's good defense. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think what you're trying to get at is like you can take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. You know, they're getting them there, they're right there, 
but you just you, you gotta you gotta take mm-hmm. advantage of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But as far as those right. numbers though, I mean, if you look at them, because I was putting together five things to watch for the game day section, and I really was kind of not baffled, but just their numbers on the defensive line are kind of low. There was, it felt like a lot more, but there was a sack um, that Kenneth Murray got, but that was their only one on Saturday. And you had like a few like tackles for uh, for loss, but. Uh, the one that came from the defensive line or from a defensive lineman was Marquise Overton. Uh, Jalen Redmond had half a one. Ronnie, per- uh, not Ronnie Perkins, didn't have any. Um, Neville Gallimore didn't have any. And then John Michael Terry and Kenneth Murray both having one and a half. And just the the numbers aren't quite there for me to say like, yeah, that defensive line they're really racking it up. They're really contributing because on paper they're. I mean, you know. The, it looks pretty normal from just from a tackle standpoint, but for them to be really considered a disruptive or defensive line, you would think that those numbers would be higher. Um, To your point though, they, they held Texas tech to a pretty abysmal day passing 12 of 26. As you mentioned earlier, their longest pass of the day was a uh, 22 yard pass from uh, jet Duffy to Dalton Rigdon. Um, and Duffy, I mean, 11 for 20 and 120 yards, and Jackson Tyner was one for five. So just not a great day for them overall passing. And, I mean, the, the, the one thing that probably you can point to, though, as far as how the defensive line is improving is that those numbers are that bad because defensive line's getting pressure. I, I, I don't doubt that one, one second. Um, I, I really do think that, the, you know, that they're guys like Navel Gallimore, Marquise Overton are getting the backfield more often. These corners and safeties aren't, you know, being forced to basically be out there for 10 seconds trying to cover a receiver. And so you're getting some production just in maybe not so maybe not the ways you expect, because I do think people probably attribute more of well, this is a good defense. If I see a lot of sacks or if I, you know, see an interception and they're, it's not it's just not the sexiest way that they're doing it right now. They're getting the job done, though. And, I mean, a 55-16 to 16 win, you can't I, complain about that. Yeah, and I think some of what coaches say is just what coaches are paid to do, which is, you know, just keep pushing and keep asking more from guys. I mean, that's not that uncommon. That they, I mean, I don't expect anybody after, you know, two games before Texas to say, well, we've, we're doing fine. Let's, let's level off here. Let's plateau right here. Um what we I think when people asked Lincoln about Neville Gallimore's kind of numbers not being there last year he would say that position's not all about numbers you can affect the game without having big numbers because you're just disruptive and that's I think you can kind of say like disruption and having a just a direct impact on the game by bringing guys down for negative yardage are sort of one and the same, but they're also kind of different. Like one's going to show up on the stat sheet. One's going to have a bigger impact. I think if you're bringing guys down for big losses, you're, and that's a bigger impact than just being disruptive. But no, you're right. I think I, I just I've been impressed by the way they've played so far. I don't know that Kansas will be a huge barometer for them, but Texas will, and that's coming up. That'll be really interesting really interested to see what Kansas can do because they are going to be without Khalil Herbert who is their leading rusher he left he's not with the program anymore as of Wednesday Les Miles finally made it official and it's not like Kansas is in a world of hurt because they still have Puka Williams who you know all of his personal stuff aside is a good running back and can make plays and he really 
really just you know made life uh, not so great for the U defense last year. I know that Kenneth Murray touched on, you know, we remember that game. We remember how bad we were in the run defense. I mean, and that was a lot of what I think OU last year, other than the Army game, is their run defense wasn't that bad. Uh, but Kansas really gashed them with Puka Williams, who had 200, was crazy. 245 yards and two scores. Uh, Kula Herbert only had like 65 yards, but he had two touchdowns as well. And they just really just exposed that defense. And I, it, I mean, it's telling to the fact that, you know, they, they remember that. And, that, you know, a lot of the time I feel like when we ask these kind of questions about, you know, how much does last year play into your motivation? And I feel like guys, you know, talk about, well, you know, new team, new players, you know, you know what, what that's all in the past. But Kenneth Murray, to, to be candid enough to say that, yeah, we, we want to do better. We remember last year. We know how all that went. And honestly, I mean, the, these guys are never going to say it, but my God, you got gashed by Kansas. And I mean, I'm sure that, you know, I, I can't imagine just uh, – what the world would come to if, if like somehow OU lost on Saturday, just because if you saw the way that o, OU fans still talk about Texas losing to Kansas in 2016, what the type of reaction would be if they were on the receiving end of that. But it is, I mean, it was an embarrassing performance for the defense. It was a low point for them to give up 40 to a pretty terrible Jayhawk team. And I'm sorry to crush on your Kansas Jayhawks, but yeah. <laughs> I think you mentioned you're from Kansas one time, and I just assume you're a rock shock. Um, probably an unfair generalization on my part. Well, you're an let's object- roll along. You're, you're an objective reporter, uh, sports editor, and you, you're a professional. But you know, I don't see color. Don't see color. Don't see mascots. You know, you, you are, you're here to tell the truth, here to tell the story as a journalist. You can't handle the truth. But Kenneth Murray is uh you would mention him he has really become like in all ways a real rock for oklahoma's defense i don't know who that was i feel like last year it was curtis bolton um you know kenneth murray's always been a good sort of like vocal leader like good but i mean like in both leadership and style of play and way the way he produces kenneth murray is has become that guy for them and that's really good he came off the his sack that you mentioned. Yeah. And lining up. You know, he was lined up. I don't know. He didn't have a hand in the ground, I don't think. But he came off the – I mean, he was essentially lined up as that jack linebacker. Which he's been doing more of this mm-hmm. season. Yeah. And that's – that's a like – he could play that position. He'd be good at that position if he wasn't – I mean, hell, I think it was his spot before they moved him to middle linebacker. Yeah. So – uh just the fact that you can do that many things with him and he's sort of put that together, it's that's huge for them. No, definitely. I mean, that's kind of been a good thing for for say what you will about the defense, but I do think every year you've had a guy that stepped up in a linebacker role, uh, whether it be Obo Okoronkwo or Curtis Bolton. You know, each year it seems like some guy has stepped up because I remember when you know when it was uh, when it was no longer Eric Stryker. I was like, man, they, they're going to be in a world of pain. And, you know, 2016, I don't know if there was necessarily that guy there. Um, but then Oboe really has a breakout season in 2017. I feel like, and no disrespect to Curtis Bolton, I feel like he kind of came out of nowhere last season and really had a had a big year that I don't think it really anyone truly expected. Um, but you come into this year, and Kenneth Murray being the preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, you can't really say that, you know, this was unexpected because I think the expectations have been really high for Kenneth Murray ever since he was a true freshman. And then he just, he got 
torched. He got exposed against Georgia in the Rose Bowl and had a really awful day. And then last year, just the way that this team was just week after week after week just kind of got, you know, took all these beatings defensively. And, you know, for right now, they're going to enter this Texas game probably rated pretty high as far as, you know, their their third down defense is one of the best in the nation. I know the competition hasn't been good, but the fact that they have been able to put out these small fires and not let them snowball. And, you know, one thing I really want to talk about more with these defensive guys is, you know, I, I just feel like it can't go undershaded enough, but they've had so many instances where Texas Tech and I feel like, you know, UCLA in Houston, they, they would break off these really big drives. And you would think, oh, this could be the tipping point for them. But sometimes OU has been pretty decent in the red zone. And I don't have the, I don't have those numbers in front of me, but as far as like with that Texas Tech game, there was a few times Texas Tech got close to the goal line and OU's defense really settled in. And, you know, that, that it just it's really telling that this team, because I felt like when it happened against UCLA and it happened against Houston, a little bit with South Dakota, because they, they had a few good series, but one or two there. But you just you didn't know what the backbone of this defense was going to be. And we still might not know that because Texas Tech is not who they've been in recent years. But and we're probably really not going to figure it out on Saturday. But, you know, it. For the competition, they're losers, they're, Joe. Just say they're it. A bunch of losers. But, but for the competition that they're, be, they're, they're really. being given, just joking. They're playing really well. I, I do wonder though, and I want to ask you this because I don't know if you've uh, checked your weather app, but uh, not looking great for Saturday. It could be in a bit of a bit of inclement weather. Some some showers and thunderstorms rolling through Lawrence, and I don't know if that really changes schematically what OU does because I feel like. As much as there have been, you know, a few bad ga- bad weather games here and there, it doesn't really derail. Let me change it. Let me OU. tell you, it changes what I do schematically, because I didn't get approved for parking. Oh no, that's a hilly campus too. So you're going to be lugging that back. Are you? You're kind of more of a over the shoulder bag mess guy, right? Yeah, it just has that one strap. I was going to say th- those backpacks, because should I get a backpack? It seems like. No, I, I mean, it's, I think it's worse on you when you're walking uphill. Oh, is it? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I guess it doesn't matter at Kansas. You actually, I think, park in the garage that is op- on the opposite side of the field still as the walk. press box. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's still a walk, though. If you're going up to Kansas, no. by the way, I don't. I mean, I, I, I feel like I might be able to get there around like 1 p.m. The game might not have started by, by then. True. I don't want to deal with a delay. I mean, that's not a bad press box to be to wait out a delay in. But no, I haven't looked at my weather app. What I don't, you know, weather apps. Never know. What do you use? Just the one on the iPhone. I'm a I'm a News Nine guy. Which News Nine? Okay. (laughs) To give you the hour by hour for Lawrence, Kansas. If you punch in Lawrence or what? It just tells you like what it's going to be during like the day and what's going to be during the evening. It doesn't look good. I mean, I think it's widespread showers this weekend to some degree. So well, yeah. I mean, it, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be nasty. And also, how far behind am I? I I didn't realize that Curtis Bolton tore his ACL in the preseason. You're very far behind. I, I feel like we mentioned that on the podcast at some point. I don't. Know. I just was wondering if he had was chipping away at his stats. Surprise! Wonder if I wrote though, I about that. Um, but do you think weather though plays any role in what OU or Kansas? I think for Kansas, mm-hmm. it's not great because. You've got one running back basically to rely on in Puka, and you can't run them. I mean, you can, but you know, you no, can't I run them the entire game. Oklahoma can, the way its offense is, can salt a game away however it wants. Yeah. I mean, I have a hard time 
especially on Kansas, seeing Oklahoma not being able to run the football if they wanted to. They could probably get six, seven yards of carry if they just force-fed it to those guys. I mean, that's a really strong group. Steve, Ramondre Stevenson and Sermon and Brooks. How erotic would it be if they came out like in a flexbone offense? Jalen Hurts just running the triple option. And this it, it, very ironic, not erotic, but I mean, like, yeah, both. It would just be ironic in 2019. That would be viewed as showboating. You know what I mean? Like Lincoln Riley would get hammered for that. Don't you think if they like ran up the score running a flex bone like? Hey, listen, if OU can't throw the horns down, you got to give them something. Meet them somewhere in the middle. Give them something, okay? Yeah. I mean, I will say Kansas has been sort of like polar this year. You know, maybe they'll get a good game out of them at home. I mean, they were really good at Boston. I mean, I say really good. They beat Boston College. 40, they almost okay, beat. Okay, 48 to 24. That's that's a good showing for Kansas. No, no matter who you're playing, that, that I mean, Kansas beat a team on the road by 24 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kansas. But then that pounding to TCU, I mean. Yeah, it wasn't T- great. But you're, you know. Khalil Herbert Herb. didn't play in yeah, that game. Exactly. You're just going they're going through. I wonder why he wants to, why would he want to go? I mean he's guys just get crossways so easy these days. I mean, I just wonder what it takes to go. Obviously OU dealing with that and several several schools are gonna start dealing with more of it as we reach the Kansas has played five games, but OU plays its fifth this weekend. Um the Athletic, our friend Jason Kersey reported earlier this week that Miguel Edwards is in the transfer portal. Uh, Starlin Baldwin uh, left before the season started. Which is a real shame because both names are really good. Like Miguel, amazing first name. Starland, that's a top name in college football right there. They had guy, they, yeah, Starlin and Baldwin is a great last name. Like Baldwin. That, those are some, those if, are some. If the like, Baldwin brothers hadn't sullied that name, I would say that's a really classy name. I'm just saying, like, the headline opportunities for us, like, after a big Starlin Baldwin game, they're just, they're just down the drain. I've got a whole notebook of them. I don't, but. You, Joe really is the, he always comes up with a great headline very quickly. Though. I come it's in, really impressive. I come in, like, into, I run into Tyler's office, like, sweaty and disheveled, and I'm just like, what about, what about Coyote Ugly? Yeah. And he's just like, can you. Can you put a shirt on, please? Actually, it's really a lot more like this in, like, laid-back turtle style that Joe is. He's like, how about uh, Coyote Ugly? Is that how I sound on Slack? <laughs> is that my Slack persona? Yes. You sound – you. when I read your Slacks, I just hear you saying it like, hey, uh, can you do the pod at 3 p.m.? Okay. Could you – <laughs> I was just thinking maybe uh, if you had time, you know, if it's cool with you, just could you, could you do the pot at three? That is not. Could you, I do a better impression than of you than you do of yourself. Could you, could, uh, t- Tyler, I know you're busy, man. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm real sorry. I'm real sorry, Tyler. You're, why are you from West Texas? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this game, I don't think The participation numbers are important now. But sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, no, I just wanted to. I, just, I did want to say one thing. Yeah. Because I, I think it's important for some reason. But, I mean, just – Recap: If OU did come out in a flexbone offense, which isn't going to happen, but at what point does Lincoln Riley just get so bored that not that he gives himself a disadvantage, but like you know Michael Jordan shooting free throws with his eyes closed? Like what's what's that what's what's that going to be? Because I almost felt like a little bit, and I'm I'm not saying they did this intentionally, but like fourth and eleven, Lincoln Riley calls 
a, you know, a short pass to Jeremiah Hall in the flats. He's like, let's just see what happens. And that play works for them, though. I'll say that. I it mean, does. It does. I, I know it does, but I'm just saying, like, this is a guy who has had some catches this year, and he had scored the first touchdown of the season. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just the, the the balls to, like, go and do that in that in that situation, not that the game was in risk and not that they were going to, you know, be in a position to where, you know, like Texas Tech has all the momentum now. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like to an extent Lincoln Riley just, like, What's going to be his Michael Jordan closing his eyes? What's was was I don't know what's going to be, but I feel like he's going to have one eventually. I think it's cool that they have mixed option into he's mixed mixed option into his offense. Yeah, like it's a hybrid. It's like this hybrid of this offense that can just go through the air, and he has quarterbacks that can run some option. When you think about it, it's kind of like it's kind of like an updated pair of Mike of Air Jordans. You know what I mean? Like. It's a pair of Air Jordans from the '80s that you can wear now. Has it has it been impressive? Or am I just no, no. I agree high. with you. I, no, I was just gonna say like I do agree with you, and I think it just goes into the whole RPO system that he uses. But mm-hmm. I mean, how impressive is it? Because I went into this season not really knowing how Jalen Hurts was gonna be as a quarterback and how he was gonna be able to just step in right away, command an offense, but. How impressed have you been with the way he's kind of come along through this first month? Because it does feel like these are concepts that can't be easy to just pick up overnight. They've, you know, for all the talk about and how cliche it is, like, you know, he's the last one off the field. But, I mean, it seems like Jalen Hurts has been, you know, putting an OT to really get this offense down. Because, I mean, it just seems like it seems like it's been way too seamless of a transition going from what Kyler Murray did in this Lincoln Riley offense to what Jalen Hurts is doing. Yeah, and you know they've—I think they've slowly both started to show their hand a little bit in mentioning times where there was one I had a, a lot get said, but Lincoln Riley I think mentioned a pass. I think it was the one that he said was his favorite against Texas Tech. It was a back—I believe it was a back shoulder throw to Jaden Hazelwood, and. Lincoln said he I don't think I don't know that he makes that throw a few months ago or something to that effect so they're both kind of starting to say things where you're realizing that there has been some development at o, while he's been at OU I think at first they were a little and it's okay to be this way I think they didn't want to act like he got to OU and started making all these strides because of the system and because of Lincoln Riley's teachings because I think in a roundabout way that's like a backhanded that's kind of like a slap at Alabama like he had stalled his his uh, development had stalled out there, and you know, thank God he was adopted by Oklahoma and can finally learn how to throw a football. I think he, they didn't want that to come off sounding bad, but I think at times both have kind of alluded to the fact that there has been this development for him in the last few months, and it's kind of interesting to hear that it's still ongoing. Like I think Riley is is still saying like he's still every week is still kind of a grind for Hurts because it's not like Baker Mayfield after in his red shirt in his final season at OU where he just I would imagine that's about as automatic as you could be in the in this offense is how well he knew it and physically he was just well Hurts is all there physically too but I mean there was just a comfort factor and where Mayfield was at where I just wonder how automatic he was when he every time he played yeah no I mean I I think with Jalen Hurts I mean the fact that you mentioned this Lincoln Riley doesn't want to take any type of slight toward Alabama Yet Lincoln Riley picks his spots pretty well when he does want to 
you know, throw some slight like to Michigan and Eric Swenson and that whole situation. Lincoln likes to flex. I think that's mm-hmm. been made very clear. But you're, I mean, that is a good point, though. I mean, Baker. But I don't think you want to rattle Alabama because I think realistically you could see that team. Yeah. You, you definitely don't. You don't want to throw that rat poison around or anything like that. You, no. you don't want to get into it. And I mean, you mentioned Baker, the way he operated the offense in 2017, which honestly just it, it felt. I mean, we're so we're getting to the point where you know we're pretty removed from that season, and we've seen two different OU starting quarterbacks since then. And it just seems like you know when is when is it going to come to the point where it's not good again? But I mean. Jalen's taking it in so many different ways, man, and he's he adds this element that I just don't think that even I, – I think it could get to a point where Jalen Hurts, just because of his uh, – because of his, you know, his frame and the, the way he plays, the way he runs, he can take it to maybe another level that maybe not even Kyler Murray could. And I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts will end up being a better OU quarterback than Kyler Murray. I'm just saying that he's got attributes that – Kyler Murray could never have taken advantage of. And obviously there's some to that with Jalen because he's never going to outrun guys quite like Kyler Murray could. And he's never going to know the OU offense as well as Baker could. And, but I still think it's, it's, it's been, it's been incredible how seamless that transition has been and what they've been able to do. But uh, he's also benefiting. And as we mentioned, kind of at the top of the podcast, just, I mean, he's benefiting from an OU defense that's not forcing him to have to score every play. He's got the best defense out of the three. I mean, and that's that's pretty big. If 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 Baker and I don't want to get into whole and Mayf- Mayfield's defense won terrible. Murray had the worst. I think maybe what Murray did was when you when we all look back, that that was such a bad defense. There was so much turmoil. I think what he did was almost more impressive than any of them. I mean, we don't know what Hurts will do. Maybe he'll go win a national title. And I was gonna say, I, I tend to agree, man. I tend to agree that I think Kyler part of what his Heisman campaign was was the fact that he had this just abysmal defense and they were still able to make a college football playoff, win a Big 12 title, beat Texas. I mean, they get off to a horrendous start against Alabama. And I don't want to say they ever beat out – like nine times – or like I feel like if OU and Alabama play the last year's – like the 2018 versions of these teams, if they play ten times, OU maybe wins three or four of those games. I think Alabama was the better team. Mm-hmm. But – I mean, if this 2019 defense, at least the way that they're playing right now, and we could have a different tune, you know, a month from now, and it kind of go whole, plays into the whole, like, you know, it's great that Jalen Hurts is, you know, kind of at the front. If you're an OU fan, it's great if uh, Jalen Hurts is kind of at the front of the Heisman conversation. But when has ever being the September Heisman front runner been a good thing? Because in 2017, it was Saquon Barkley that was the 2017 Heisman front runner in oh, September. Yeah, a, few, a few other seasons. I remember – Hasn't been this way. It seems like people who have separated at the beginning and kind of stay there, with the exception of like 2017. But like, it seemed like it was always like that. Like, yeah. you did not want to be in front at first. No, it's like a horse race. Like, sometimes that lead horse gets out there, and you're. Have you ever? Did you ever? Have you been to? Do you go to Vegas very much? Or, I mean, I don't. Never, I've actually never been to Vegas, but you I, should go. I'm not huge into like gambling and stuff but it is fun to go and just sit there and bet on horse races and i my, i mean mine were just always terrible didn't matter if they were first to start they'd be first they'd be in first right out of the gate and then finish last or they'd be in last and remain last but i guess i'm just saying like to your point you don't want to be in first september but i don't know who could knock hurts out of 
the lead. He's going to have to knock himself out of the lead, I think. I, I do want to. He's going to play better secondaries. I do want to say. I mean, there, there is probably if if in not that Jalen Hurts cares about winning Eisman, but I mean, for it's good for him that Trevor Lawrence is playing as pretty spotty as he is. And I mean, Tua Tungavaloa is still kind of chugging along at Alabama. Did you just nail that name? Yeah. What's What's hard about Tua Tungavaloa? I just don't think I, I think in my mind I've always I've, I don't think I've ever actually tried to pronounce it. Oh, well. He's kind of like Madonna. You can just say Tua. Tua. I've never heard anybody just so confidently just Tua Tagovailoa. Tua Tagovailoa. 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 Did I say it right? Yeah, I'm sure. Tagovailoa. Yeah, you got it right. My point is, he's doing amazing at Alabama this year. I don't think we're talking enough, and I, I, I the Heisman conversation is a fun one for me because I just think it's an interesting award because of where it's gone. And I wrote, you know, an eight piece series about it and so i i I, wow brag i've researched it quite a bit (laughs) well no it's interesting to me because i've just done a lot of research it's like if uh i feel like this comes up a lot especially when you're talking like i feel like people that are like recently out of college you can tell what topics they wrote papers about because they're just like oh i spent way too much time researching this for my capstone Mm -hmm. or something like that and so that's this also a brag Oh, yeah, my, my capstone project. Oh, so my, I, my dissertation was on this. Oh, my God. I I, that's why I know so much about it. <laughs> um, uh, oh, my thesis was on this. Oh. Um, <laughs> Got an A, but. <clears throat> but I do think the Heisman conversation is really interesting because you have Jalen Hurts and you have Tua Tonga-Beloa. I think there is. You are flexing right now with this, but continue. I do think there is some disrespect going around to the nation's running backs because you've got Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin who has just been extraordinary. Wisconsin's a team that I don't know if they have the horses to keep up with Ohio State, but, I mean, I I don't know. I I, I feel like the way that that Taylor has played this year, and I still don't know if – Ohio State has been tested as much as, you know, everyone thinks they've been. I mean, you know, they go out and beat Nebraska, but Nebraska's pretty terrible. But I'm just – I'm not ready to jump on the Justin Fields. Not that he's not good, but, like, I feel like Justin Fields is getting love as a Heisman contender because he plays for an undefeated Buckeyes, and they look really good. But Jonathan Taylor's having a really good season, and I think uh, Joe Burrow from LSU is having a really good season. Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State is putting up insane numbers. I know this it's is pretty cool what he's doing, even though he probably won't the, – the he'll get excluded from the Heisman deal. I just feel like it, it, it it's because part of me is like there's no way he probably gets to New York unless Oklahoma State pulls out like a 10-2 and two season. Like they, they can't – This is, like OSU needs to run the table to Bedlam if they want Chuba Hubbard to be in the Heisman conversation. I almost f- wonder if they have to have just one loss. I don't know, though. I mean, it just depends on what everybody else does or in his numbers. But, like, yeah, I don't know. What a weird – college football is so strange. I, I love the award. What's the most interesting thing you learned about the Heisman as you researched it? The fact that, like, the trophy is actually made in Oklahoma. Yeah, that is crazy. I just think that's just the most ironic thing in the world. Yeah. Um, I do think – well, no, my, my favorite thing that I learned – was when I was interviewing uh, Steve Owens for when he won, is that he was expecting to get a call what, to know whether he won the award or not, and then the call didn't come. And this was just like a normal day. It was like a Monday or Tuesday. And 
he was supposed to get like a call like at 11 a.m. or something along those lines. Never got it. So he was like, oh, well, I guess I didn't win the award. So he walks to the union, um, like the OU Student Union, um, home to uh, Baja Fresh, Chick-fil-A, you name it. It's got a lot of great things. Don't give them – they got to pay for that sponsorship. That's true. Sorry. Um, but a student – stopped him on campus that I guess had been listening to the radio or <laughs> just found out like he was like Steve you won the Heisman the radio man said you won the Heisman <laughs> <laughs> Steven 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 Owens you won the Heisman trophy champ <laughs> and so that's how Steve he just walking on campus he found out he won the Heisman trophy isn't the, he- the Heisman trust just ghosted him just was like well, we, don't, we don't need to loop him in on this we'll just I, I almost want to ask. That's him, pretty crazy. I want. I didn't want to make him sound dumb, but I was like, was it a time zone issue? Did like they say like twelve? Like did they did they tell you one time and like you thought that was like earlier in the day or like maybe they called the wrong number? Just fair. It was like nineteen sixty eight. So they called like just some random guy from Salisaw, and he was probably like, I won the I won Heisman. The Heisman. <laughs> No, Frank. <laughs> Radio man said Steve Owens won. Uh, that is great. I, the, I, the Heisman's great. It's just weird how it's there's the the classic college football sort of politico political cloud hanging over it. You know, like that you can't just be the nation's leading rusher with a against a pretty tough schedule and. I feel like the nation's leading rusher, and let, I mean, should get to go. But it's yeah. just, it's about best player, best team, right? I mean, that's kind of what it's become. And it's about being a quarterback now. I mean, so it's just, it's what it, it's what it is. I mean, I, I would never, whatever. It's, Be sure it to is. subscribe to my YouTube channel where my new video, is OU ruining the Heisman Trophy? <laughs> Question mark? All caps. <laughs> Um, so make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel to check out that video. It's a, it's a really good one. I go 20 minutes deep into this. Um, no, but yeah, I, I just feel like there's there's some really good candidates as far as like running backs go. And like honestly, I'm kind of interested to see Hubbard versus Taylor. Like who's gonna win? Like the what is it? The Doak Walker? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I do want to know who ends up finishing that or finishing that race because I feel like it's those two are proving. And maybe I'm like forgetting someone and. I don't know, but those two look like the best in the country. Yeah, I would say they are. And at this point, Hubbard's got a sizable I just feel lead like on a, him. And I just feel like there's an OU fan right now. Like, what about Trey Sherman? What about <laughs> Kenny Brush? <laughs> Ramondre. Ramondre <laughs> Stevenson. <laughs> you guys are you guys are OU haters. I I thought it was cool. Neville Gallimore was. It, asked the other day about Chuba Hubbard and because they're both from Canada and Neville Gallimore could have just been like oh you know we're focused on us but he was he's always been a guy who's really proud of Canada and he was like he said it's cool to see somebody from Canada do that that's such a Canadian thing to be nice just like Uh, uh, yeah not that Neville Gallimore like has like some type of Canadian accent but just like it's like, oh yeah, real happy for me. Just, mm-hmm. just really. Is that oh yeah, just made the best team win. You know, I just hope both of us have fun. When we're out there. <laughs> we'll get Tim Hortons afterwards, eh? Yeah. Uh, who are the? I mean, we're getting really, as we do, a little bit off topic. But I was just curious, like, are those the two best college football players in, from Canada in college football today, right here in Oklahoma? 
Neville Gallimore and Chuba Hubbard, or do I am I unaware of another big time Canadian college football prospect? I think we just gave away an amazing idea for like a centerpiece. But yeah, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> we don't cover Oklahoma State. You know, another let's, uh, get, state, let's this, get Jimmy Gillespie on the line. Let's let's do like a little dual oh. dual centerpiece. Well, now everybody, yeah, yeah well. I'll leave that to the you know the the big boys in charge. The larger. Slight technical difficulty, but we're back. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, I do feel like it's pretty crazy that you have these two Canadian-born football players that are doing really well. I think Neville Gallimore is probably not going to be nationally as uh, – eh, he could be. I you don't think like he'll be invited to the Heisman? Well, no, I just feel like – I don't feel like people are really talking about Neville Gallimore as much as yeah. Chuba Hubbard's kind of a fun story to talk about right now. I was going to mention though that like the Heisman like the Heisman watch race is just I mean it's it's Taylor at number five and then Hubbard right behind him Sam uh, Sam Sam Ellinger <laughs> I don't know why I said Sam <laughs> why <laughs> but, but Sam Ellinger I, I was I was more so just like don't say Ellinger and I've, I've not, honestly I because messed up Sam <laughs> here's the thing because Tom Herman made a big deal about that hard G I cannot I don't know which one it is it's Ellinger right. Uh, yeah, Tellinger. Ellinger. But uh, other than that, Sam Sam Ellinger, Jake Fromm is up there, which I mean, I I guess Georgia being undefeated puts him in the conversation kind of like, I mean, it's basically the best, like the quarterback on the best teams, which is what it kind of comes down to. I haven't seen to. his numbers, but I mean, you've got to put up pretty fabulous numbers to keep up with what like – the Tua's and the, I guess, Burroughs. Burroughs' numbers are fantastic. And then, of course, you've got Hertz's, who are, which are just wild. The one thing that's probably not helping, and I know that like Kyler Murray didn't really have this game last year, but what's really going to help Fromm is that they beat Notre Dame. If he even is becomes like uh, a guy that contends for it. Uh, but Burrow beating Texas is probably a big win. Now OU can kind of... I don't know if OU can devalue that win anymore if they be, end up beating Texas twice, uh, but it definitely doesn't look as nice if yeah. if Texas and I guess if Texas comes out of the Big Twelve and wins it, um, that's huge. Uh, but Joe Burrow number three on this ahead of Justin Fields, and then it's Tua at number two, and then Jalen at number one. I just, I just think you can be. Here's how I view it: If you're Hurts, you can lose a game. I don't know about. You know, if you have to make it to the college football playoff to get in the to win the Heisman or not, but like you can lose a game. Maybe worst case scenario, you don't go to the playoff if this happens. You can lose one as long as you just maintain close to where you're at. I, I think Hurts wins because I think the award has a lot to do with. Well, it's voted. I mean, it. You know, people. It's not like it's five guys who coming to a consensus it's the vote we've talked about this a lot you know voters the way the vote shakes out he's become kind of a darling and people love his story he, he's gonna split the, the vote in the southeast because people their voters there are familiar with him and like him and he'll get the votes here i mean i just think he's people like the guy for good reason so i feel just, like no matter how much he drops off or he doesn't sustain I think he has I also to feel really dumb just predicting he's going to win the Heisman in early October. But oh no, I was just going to say like I, I do feel like the the way that this pro end, ends up probably going is no matter what happens, if he doesn't sustain this incredible pace that he's on right now, 
There's no ESPN's not going to have J- Jalen and Tua at, at the Heisman Trophy presentation. Like, I think that – I know it's it comes down to the Heisman Trust. I, I would assume, though, ESPN influences them enough. Like, even if Jalen is, like, fourth or fifth place, they're like, you're having both. Like, mm-hmm. just a guy in a suit just telling the Heisman Trust, just like, we're bringing both, buddy. Mm-hmm. We've got the stories already written and shot. We're running them. Can't imagine Hurts doing that because there's so much media availability there. Really, I, I was gonna say like so we've, you know, we both covered a Heisman Trophy presentation in the New same York. one, the same one. Had had a good time. It was a fun time in New York. First time in New York for me. But did you feel like the media availability was all that amazing? Because I felt like it was exhaustive. I don't know what I don't remember necessarily what day I got there for you there. or for the players. Well, for exhaustive as in like we got more than we would ever need. Oh, okay. I mean we. And that's leading up to the trophy ceremony. Like we got him, we got them all. The, I feel like we just got him all the time. And I guess it's just weird because, like, you, I think we got there on Thursday. And getting there on Thursday, spend that next extra, extra night at a hotel. Yeah, well, I can't I remember the whole schedule, but I remember. And this, we kind of came to a consensus on this. Like, we there was not a whole lot more to ask Baker Mayfield in the pre Heisman ceremony availability that we got with him. You know what I mean? Like before they went over across the street to the to the ceremony, we got to talk to all three or four of those guys, and it was like, what more are we going to ask these? You know, it was even harder with Mayfield because remember how big of a favorite he was. Yeah. There, there was no question he was going to win last year. A little different because Kyler was not a he was the favorite. I think people thought I thought he was going to win, but he wasn't a slam dunk. And there was so much baseball football conversation to be had, like you go on for days talking in circles about that crap. I mean, so I'm glad that Kyler has been a good enough sport to do a Heisman house commercial that includes his baseball background. That one was really good. But no, I, I just remember that day that, so I came up on Friday and I flew from like St. Louis to New York and I had like a, I had a really early flight, and I had like a fifth, literally a 15-minute layover in St. Louis to catch my plane to New York. Um, and then I went straight, like I got like an Uber and went straight to the to the place where we interviewed. It was Baker, um, Bryce Love, is it Bryce Love? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And they were just like they had each guy like they had like three tables set up, and each guy would like move from table to table. Like after fi- in like a fifteen in- fifteen minute increments, and that's just to help the TV people to like set up one camera, and they mm-hmm. could just get each guy for that amount of time. But uh, but I just remember that, and then we didn't really get to like walk around with them in Times Square, do any of like be around them for all the fun stuff that they do while they're in New York. But then the next day, you get them right before the Heisman presentation in little breakout sessions and you got a press conference with them. So the more I'm thinking about it, like, yeah, it was a lot. Cause then afterward they did another press conference and then they did and then a breakout and then another breakout session. And so it was quite a bit. And I don't know if you went to it's the, just a lot. Did, did you go to the Sunday thing with, uh, with like the Heisman kind of like a, it was like a brunch type deal. No, but we arranged to get him. It was like me, John Hoover, Brooke Pryor, Eric Bailey, and I think that was it. We just got him the next, the morning after, mid morning. Yeah. And he was he had been up all night and I can't imagine. What and it was just like now here we are again. Post post Heisman. Like yeah. I just 
I remember I think all of our stories were along just like what he did the night after he won. He was up late and he, you know, had a big party with his family and friends. I mean, there's just you do sort of it's all about this award and you know he's going to win it. Very not a whole lot to write about when it's all said and done. I mean, there is, I don't want to sound like somebody who's not creative enough to come up with storylines because, I mean, that's our job. But We also don't want to sound like we're complaining about our jobs because no. apparently we've been called out for that on the iTunes reviews. So this isn't complaining. No. We're just, we're, just, we're just lifting the curtain a little bit. Oh, I don't care what job you have. There's challenges. That's you, one of them. We challenges that come up. I mean, but this is honestly praising New, like the Heisman just like for like giving us all this access. Quit more sucking up to the more Heisman. More than anything, I thought it was great. Yeah, no, it was great. If we didn't get any high, if we didn't get any access, we'd be complaining about that. So, yeah. Anyways, we um, do, by the way, appreciate the people that have rated it. Um, if you want to go on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating, a review, and tell us your candid thoughts about how you think we're running the show, we we're more than welcome to hear you out. Um, but can't promise that I won't take a little subtle jab at you. So, can you respond back on those? No, you can't. Oh. This is our version of because like I love when you like search for a restaurant or something on Google and like the Google review will be like it took 10 minutes for us to get a seat and I just thought that was the longest wait and then like the restaurant itself has like a Google review account that like we're sorry that it took so long for you to get a table and you can tell it's con- like it's kind of being condescending. I've like, only left one internet review in my whole life and it was the jeweler on main street here in norman i took a watch in there because i couldn't get the i couldn't get the back of it back on uh-huh. to save my life even it's gonna with be a, a good thing or bad thing it's are we, good are we losing a potential sponsor no here? no no i was i i couldn't get the watch like the the plate on the back back on even with the pliers didn't matter what i was using pipe wrench everything couldn't get it on so I took it in to them to at, see if they could help me and they just did it for free and I just they were super nice and they I was like you know thank you so much they said yeah if you just want to just go on and just give us a Google review we'd appreciate it so I reviewed the hell out of them and they were they were great I can't imagine spending any portion of my day I'm not going to say it Let's move on uh if you had yeah. to do a Google review of Trajan Bridges defensive debut what would you give it um, out of five stars. I mean, it wasn't great, but it, and I, I felt sort of bad because I think I tweeted at one point that his first two defensive stats in college were penalties, which is true, but it's, you know, he's a freshman who switched over to defense two weeks into the season, and Alex Grinch mentioned on Tuesday just how impressive he thought that was, and it is impressive. And we, of course, will find out Saturday if he's going to be uh, if his fate is on offense or defense, because Lincoln Riley said they have made a decision, and he would not tell us. So, you know, roughly 10 a.m., depending on when this game actually starts, whenever warm-ups happen, whatever groups he's with, we shall know. I just feel like Lincoln Riley's the type of guy that's going to be like, all right, guys, we're going to do a Facebook Live at uh, 10.50, going to reveal. This is a Bob Stoops That's impression. quite the – yeah. I but, mean, they're, they're similar, but not that similar. But – I just feel like they're going to be like, uh, we're going to do the Facebook Live. We're going to reveal. Uh, it's going to be like a new gender reveal thing, like but like a position reveal uh, for players. I think I think it could take off. I think we're the guys to get it off the ground too. I wouldn't be stunned, but uh, it, that's going to be interesting to see. Did he get? You know, did he get? Did they pull the plug on this whole thing, or did they? 
Here's the thing. Alex Grinch already said Monday that he's still working with the defense. By Wednesday, Lincoln said, we've made a decision what he's going to be. Now, did something happen Monday, Tuesday, where they were like, look, this isn't working out. We want you to come back. Or, or were they like, hey, we've you're clearly already working here. What did he get, like Monday, Tuesday? You got two more days in pr- on defense to prove yourself? Got to make the most of it. I, I just I just feel like it's going to come to a point where, like, Lincoln's going to say stuff on Mondays and Grinch is going to say the exact opposite. I know Amazing. This was, I know this was, like, in a Wednesday setting, so, it, like, it was at least after the fact. But I just feel like it, Lincoln's going to be like, yeah, um, we're really we're really not sure if Neville Gallimore is going to be available. And Grinch can be like, no, he's definitely available. No, he's uh, available. <laughs> and, uh, we're, yeah. running a, we're actually running a different scheme this week. I can break <laughs> it down for you all yeah. if, you, if you like. We've got a super secret play. That it, Neville is in on. Is and, it cool if I share it with you guys? Yeah, <laughs> and here it is. Starts drawing it on the board. No, I, what do you think? I mean, we don't know. We haven't been. A, we don't watch practice. For those of you who don't know, oh, we're do. not. Oh, you I, do. I, okay. I, I, I camp out at Sonic. I get myself a ninety-nine cents. little gin and Sonic. Little, little yeah. Uh, get me get get me some mozzarella sticks, and I just camp out, watch the rugby field, um, get the binocs out, and I just you know watch. I don't do this. Um, I personally think that for, for Trajan Bridges to be any contributor to this team, it's not going to be a receiver. You, you, you've basically established your guys, and where you need the most help is at safety, and why move him to receiver when he can at least add depth to, to that secondary and maybe make an impact, whereas – what do they? I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, like, do they really need another receiver? Like, sure, you'd love to have. I mean, they can't even get Grant Calcaterra the ball. Fire, fire, Lincoln can't yeah. can't involve no, I'm Grant just, Calcaterra. No, that is. I think it's the dumbest thing when people are like, <laughs> why can't you get this guy more production? It's like, how you can't get every like, look at the production that is happening. There's too like, many guys around him. There's it's just, just hard. Guys. Yeah, it's hard. I, I'm. Am I shocked that Jaden Hazelwood is the? I. I would think. I would not have guessed that Hazelwood would be third in receiving so far. But, really? I mean, I'm not stunned that he is. But I'm just saying, like, I also would have just. I think I would have guessed somebody maybe more, with more experience, they would have leaned on throwing it to them more. I guess I just through I, the first four games now. Maybe like the last four games, I could see somebody like Hazelwood coming on. That's just kind of the that's sort of more of the ebb and flow of freshman season in any sport. You you they come on mid to late almost. But I, I think Jaden Hazelwood is a superstar. I, I do too, and I guess where I'm coming from is if you look back, and I know back in 2015 with Joe Mixon, it was very clear why he was. I think he was the number one running back in that signing class of 2014. But it was just really apparent why he was the number one guy at that position, or at least a five-star at the very least. But that was Joe Mixon after a redshirt year. I know. I know, but, I mean, I mean I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, Jaden Hazelwood, it's very apparent why he was the number one receiver in the country mm-hmm. and why OU went to great lengths to get him after signing Theo East and Trajan Bridges. And he has made all the difference for this receiving core, and – now, I'm not saying that OU needs to go away from what they're doing at tight end, but almost you can almost just like we we need to find guys that can block because like we've got we're set. But I mean they're not they 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 love what they can do with Stogner and they love what they can do with Calcaterra. It's just I, I don't I don't know if it, it's just OU's not showing their hand quite yet because I think and I'm not trying to get into conspiracies here, 
But I almost feel like Jeremiah Hall is a diversion because I feel like there's going to be a game where Grant Calcaterra just comes out of nowhere and like teams aren't going to have any game plan for him because they're like, well, they really like their fullback and they really like Hazelwood. They really like CeeDee Lamb. You know, let's sell out to stop those guys. And then Calcaterra is just going to be wide open 50 yards downfield. Yeah, I think you're totally right. There's I also no talked with Lincoln that. yesterday. Yeah, that's so what he said. Me and Lincoln, uh, we hit up Midway Deli. Um, I got the Vulcan. He went Vulcan, no tomato. Doesn't like tomato. Uh, so a Vulcan with no flavor? Uh, no flavor. Hold no the flavor. Um, are you a tomato guy? Oh, yeah. You like a tomato slice? Oh, yeah. Actually, that was me projecting my own thoughts. I, I actually get a Vulcan, no tomato, but that's oh. just me. Uh, well, tw- the 2017 team didn't really have – stop me if I'm an idiot. I mean, there was Marquise Brown – who came on toward the end of the year it could was really take late. the top off a defense. But other than that, and CeeDee Lamb, good, but a freshman. They didn't have, like, Mark the receiving Andrews? core. Well, this is what, that's what I'm getting at. Like, Mark Andrews got the ball so much because he was their most experienced pass catcher coming back. Am I wrong? Yeah, I although mean, I do think to your point. Who am I forgetting? Am I forgetting any anybody? Probably. Like, at wideout? that Bidette. No, I mean he wasn't bad, but I, the, I'm just saying Mark Andrews was trusty, and like now they've got Ceedee Lamb, Charleston Rambo, super reliable, and then you've got Jaden Hazelwood, who's arguably more advanced than than Ceedee was his freshman year. So there's just it's harder to get the ball with those those three, as we can see now. Like Rambo is a is really good. What's crazy is the fact that that 2017 season, how much. You know, Dimitri Flowers was involved, how much Rodney Anderson was involved in the past game. And, that I mean, that was kind of akin to what they did with Joe Mixon is how they used him mm-hmm. as a receiver. But OU does – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't feel like OU has a running back really that they prim- – like not primarily, but like that they use extensively as a receiver. It doesn't feel that way at least. No, I think they're comfortable. Have they all caught a pass? Probably. But Rodney Anderson, they loved throwing him the ball. Sermon had two catches uh, against Texas Tech. Ramondre Stevenson had three. Brooks obviously kind of got banged up and didn't play nearly as much. But, well, that was kind of late in the game. I feel like he's caught a pass, though. I could yeah. be wrong. I'm just talking about the Texas Tech game. Oh, just Texas Tech. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Grant Calcaterra will get the ball. I guess I'm just I'm just saying uh, You, we were talking about Bridges, you know, how he's probably not going to get a whole lot of touches. I, I'm guessing he stays on defense, yeah. but I, that's just me. And they may just be like, look, no, like what you all saw in the game, that's what we're seeing in practice. This isn't going to work. And he may go to receiver. And he's played in four games. So he's one of those guys where he's, you know what's going to be really telling? If he doesn't play at all Saturday. Yeah. I, I think he's a guy they'll want to use all year. It's Kansas, though. They'll probably get him on the field. Yeah, but, you know, that – I don't. I don't know. I'm. I haven't spent great time thinking about this, but like, I think there are guys who are they want talented freshmen to play if they can help them, and like Trajan Bridges asset on special teams. But if you're trying him out on defense because you're not sure if he fits at receiver at this point in the season, and you also don't, and then also you realize you don't trust him on defense, and he's played in four games. I would get not playing him in the fifth at Kansas when you absolutely don't need him because yeah. the year's gone, you know? I mean, I just feel like they kind of expect these guys not to be around for, for five years. But he'll, he'll, you'll need him more next year when Lamb graduates. 
Uh, well, I don't know if he's on track to graduate, but he's going to He'll be he'll, he'll enter his name in the NFL draft, correct. So like he makes a lot more sense to play receiver for you next year. If you don't think you need him at safety this year, how does he fit in at receiver and then what else do you really need him for unless you just want him for depth or that's what I'm saying. He could be no, a guy a that point. maybe doesn't play Saturday because until you like really need why him. Why would you yeah, just what's the big need? If what's it were Texas or something and I, I don't know. Maybe you just felt like you had to have him on your – I have no clue. But it'll. there's a couple options with him that will be interesting to watch, and a lot of those guys because there are a number of them who uh, – Marcus Stripling's at four games, but I think he's a guy that's going to play all year. Um, I had that list just pulled up, and honestly, I think I just – I did too. I, closed I think I just closed it, it. Yeah. Did you – do you have access to my computer? Did you also close mine? I, th- I think I might have done that. Oh, no, here, here it is. Um, yeah, I mean, there's – there's a number of guys. I'm going to try and run through this really quick. Guys, freshmen, the notable freshmen at four games. Um, Austin Stogner. I mean, that's somebody I think we'll see. They want him to play the whole year. Stripling is at four games. Uh, David Ugwebu. David Ugwebu? Yeah. Uh, he's at four, but he's going to. I feel like he's going to play. I think they want him. Theo Weiss is at four. Uh, Trajan Bridges, as we said, is at four. Jaden Davis is at four. I mean, all these guys are just, I just think, with the exception of Bridges, are going to play, are going to, they're in it for the long haul here. The the one guys that, um, It'll be interesting to see what they do. It's like Jeremiah Cordell has only played in two games. Yeah, you're um, right. That's some mm-hmm, – yeah. Woody Washington has only played in two games. Joseph Wete, who I think was a guy we saw a little bit in Houston, but I think that's the only time we saw him. Um, and we, I feel like we've been told by Calvin Thibodeau and Ruffin McNeil how much they were liking Wete. But uh, Jamal Morris, another guy that hasn't really seen much. I feel like I'm gonna name a guy that's like in the transfer portal by the time this comes out, but possibly. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a uh, you know. I think this weekend you you make some great points with some of these guys because like I mean, even if you do um, get into a position, which I think they do, I think this is a game OU can win by four or five touchdowns. I don't think it's gonna be much of a contest. Um, before we do get out of here, though, I do want to say. How great is it to have Les Miles back in our lives as a college football coach and being the head coach of Kansas? Because I don't think we've talked about him nearly as much. Yeah, the old Mad Hatter. Um, I watched the the video from that 2003-ish. Yeah, is that what it was? 2003 uh, Bedlam game. Where Lynn Swan's interviewing him on the sideline. That's classic. I think Carson Cunningham posted the re- uh, remastered digitally remastered version (laughs) which is great um yeah he's sort of a shell of his former self in a way but he seemed really weird at big 12 media days that was one of the most poor big 12 media day performances i could have imagined from a head coach he was not good yeah Uh, he i mean he was not prepared for to talk about puka's domestic violence situation he was uncomfortable and not like les miles we knew but after they beat Boston College, he was a, a lot more or less on that Big 12 coaches teleconference. And obviously I don't cover that team day-to-day, so that's all I have to really match it up with. So it's going to be interesting to watch him against Oklahoma. He was never afraid to poke poke the bear while he was here. 
uh, against Bob Stoops, and um, it's easier to play that role when you're when you're with a big heavy underdog, and he's got one now. <laughs> so those OSU teams were too, but I think the, also those OSU teams had some guys. I mean, they had some dudes. I couldn't remember. Couldn't tell you exactly, with the exception of a couple like Rashawn Woods, and I would say the Woods, Josh Fields, the Woods brothers. Yeah, and there were. Did he have one of them? Did he have Vernon Morrency was a good running back. Uh, Tatum Bell, I think, was a was a Miles guy who was good. He had they had some athletes, and I don't think Kansas yeah. has those guys. So they don't. They they definitely don't. There's going to be a. I mean, if OU goes into this game and does what OU needs to, yeah, I mean, if. If they just exert their will like they have been, I mean, it should be no problem. Let's just get the captains to shake hands. Just get, get them to shake. Well, hopefully, if they'll, I mean, the last time OU went to Kansas, they didn't shake hands with the captains. Mm-hmm. Whole controversy. It's but, crazy. Uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Are you excited to go to Lawrence? Yeah, Lawrence is uh, the second best Big 12 city, I think. Yeah. I, I think I'd agree. Right? What's Somebody asked me the other day, I was like, I think Lawrence would have to be two, and I would put Norman at three. Austin, number one. Yeah, I think OU it's fans easy. I don't. I don't, don't want to be mean to OU fans. I do think like it's sometimes hard for them to separate like Austin and Texas, like the University of Texas. Like you have to though. I mean, it's hard, but Austin's a great town. Yeah, I know that it's kind of maybe not every like Oklahoma fans' taste, just as far as like political views go. But it's a fun town. Oh yeah, it's a great city. It's a little. It's wild. It's it's the Wild West. Yeah. Um. There's like funky, weird, dirty Austin, which would be uh, Sixth Street. It's a fun place on the to east be. side of Sixth yeah. Street. Is that right? It gets a little bit. It's a little fun. bit seedy, but it, it's a, it's a lot of fun if you're college age. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. It might not be your it, like. I could understand like you know the whole Austin is weird kind of thing. Like I could understand like if you're in your 40s and have a family, like maybe not your thing. But I was really jealous of Dana O'Neill. Uh, now at the athletic, she used to be with ESPN, and um, she did that. Did you read the story she did on Matthew McConaughey becoming the minister of culture? No, I didn't. At Texas, it was really good. But like, I could not imagine. I just would love to corner a guy like Matthew McConaughey and ask him about that, because apparently he was just like over anxious, not anxious, but just so excited to tell that story about. He's just got a lot of pride for Texas and Austin, and it's Matthew McConaughey, you know, the Chrysler commercials. He has hands like on the table, like leaning in, explain the story to her, and uh, it'd be a pretty fun guy to talk to about a fun topic, college football and Austin culture and all that. And McConaughey's just like a guy I want to have a beer with. Mm-hmm. I, I'd love who, to love to go to the library and like get a booth with McConaughey. Who would be the Norman equivalent of Matthew McConaughey? I think sadly it's like Toby Keith. No. Do you have to be a celebrity? What do you mean, like the well, yeah, the I minister mean, of culture? Y- that's what I'm saying. Like, or minister? I said administer. Um, is there a guy? Is there an equivalent of him, male or female, who yeah. went to OU that I'm not thinking of? Olivia that Munch. fits in, like Kings of Leon. They didn't go here, but yeah, I mean, They're is huge that OU fans? Yeah, huge OU fans from Oklahoma, and like get the culture. Did in McConaughey Norman. go to Texas? I believe I thought he did. Oh. He at some point moved to Austin. I think he went to Texas. I mean, I I think. I don't know who would be that guy. Think about it. Get Jim back Ross? to me. 
Jim Ross is a pretty good one. Yeah. I mean, somebody, it, it does help. I kind of think a prerequisite has to be you have to have some sort of presence on the sidelines. Yeah. And Jim Ross has that. And it's like people get, people in Oklahoma get Jim Ross. People in Oklahoma get Kings of Leon because it's like. I mean, they're just good, hardworking Americans, you know? You gotta and, love it. And they're McConaughey the fits Austin. So Austin people get him. He does. Um, he does. I'll, think, I'll think on that one a little bit more. If you had to suggest to an OU fan going up to Kansas this weekend, where would you tell him to go? Uh, I guess the big spot is the Hawk, kind of a college spot. Yeah. Is it a bar? Yeah. Um, Food-wise, I'm not that familiar with what's really good there. The Wheel uh, is a good – that's probably the best burger in town I've heard. But the last time I was there, I met up with some people from the beat uh, – Eric Bailey and Garen Emig and Ian Mall, Garen Emig's wife, at a at somewhere that was about to close, and we just like got some I don't know, like ate some Mexican really quick and got out. And so I, I'm not really that familiar. I'm not. I've been there a lot, but I don't I don't know the spots nailed down. But downtown is really cool there. You can't. There's probably a lot of places that you can't go wrong with. I feel like I haven't explored the Big Twelve cities nearly as much. I mean, I like I like Lubbock to be honest. Um, I've never really explored Lubbock. I don't. I don't know anything about Lubbock. But I mean, and Waco is is, is a decent. I mean, it's it, there's some not so great parts of Waco, mm. but it's got some. Haven't explored there either, to be honest. That's kind of. I should. I need to do that. Soak in some of those places. Wait. So, in, in your bit, I know we're, we're we're going super late, and maybe anybody late. who has lost interest has just turned us off yeah. by now. But where does Fort Worth rank? Because Fort Worth is an amazing town. Fort Worth's cool. Um, I have. I mean. That's a good question. It's I don't get the collegey feel there. I think there's so much. I do close to like on campus. I get it. I I, I think at least because it's so spread out. It's kind of like Oklahoma City or not Oklahoma City, but just like the. It's not like Oklahoma City, but like in terms of like where things are, you can like ha- like hit little patches of nothingness, and then like there's a whole new district. And Fort Worth downtown's a lot better than probably most people think. Yeah, I'd never been there until. Uh, I covered the women's gymnastics national championships last year, and I was really impressed. Um, I think we got some we got brunch like the Bird Cafe or something. It was really good. I dismiss that. I I'm jealous of Lubbock and Fort Worth because they have Chimmies, which used to be a Norman bar and it Mexican has since passed. right. Ch- yeah, like very. What happened to all the Chimmies? There used to be one in Owasso where I grew up, and. I don't know that it's still. It seems like chimneys are just fading. I think they went off of. They went away from Norman because rent got too high on Campus Corner. Oh, might be a. Might be sounds a like a story for you. For our business reporters, Sunday Business Journal. Yeah, let me know when you find one. I'll uh, pitch it to them, and I've got you know somebody mentioned another great uh, pitch. It's a, and I can't think of it right now, but I will. It's a Latin restaurant here in. Uh, here in Norman. And if you'll fill some time for me, I will find it for you right now. I was going to say. I want to get, I, I want people to have this because I heard it's good and I actually need to go. I do need your suggestions for Owasso because I'm, I'm going to Broken Air. Oh, Era. that's right. I'm going to Broken Air tomorrow night for Norman High, Broken Air. I'm going to see Andrew Ram, but, you know, there to see Kate Horton and the, the Norman Tigers. And then next week go to Norman North at Owasso and going to see some, I'm going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, Busy, busy two weeks. I'm going to be in Broken Arrow tomorrow, and then Dallas on Saturday for a Lizzo concert, 
and then next weekend. I'll and you're essentially making the same trip the next weekend. Going to Owasso on Friday, and then going to OU Texas the next day in the morning. That's pretty cool. Uh, Owasso, I don't know. I don't go back a whole lot, but uh, are you allowed back? Oh, they'll let me back. They'll let me back. Um. Uh. God, Joe. Okay. Well, the place here in Norman is called El Rincon Chapin. I assume. If you're just like straight Oklahoma Okie accent saying this, it's El Rincon Chapin, and uh, it caters to Central Americans. They have a lunch counter and they sell a bunch of like. Uh, this is a quote from George Schroeder: "An eclectic bunch of staples from back home." And it's on West Lindsay, just east of 24th Ave Southwest. And I'm supposed to pass this along to our business uh, reporters, and I will, because uh, apparently the place is really good, but I haven't done it yet. So I'm now passed along to you via this platform. Uh, apparently it's really good. I haven't had it. But it sounds like something you would be interested in because you love I've never just heard of it. finding the places. I've never heard of it. Yeah. That's good, though. It's we good, go it's sometime. Good yeah. Little lunch, mm-hmm. business lunch. Okay. Yeah. All right, Tyler. Well, hey, that's a uh, that's a wrap. That's a wrap on this OU football podcast powered by the Norman Transcript, which is available if you didn't know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and all those lovely places where you get your podcasts. Tyler will be in Lawrence, and he will uh, handle post game podcast duties um, as I'm out scalavanting around Dallas. So be on the lookout for that. If the podcast doesn't get posted, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. So we'll see what happens. Tyler has a look on his face. He's just like, oh, I forgot about that. I totally forgot. I have to learn how to do all that. So, yeah. Me and Tyler are going to have some, some podcast lessons tonight. So mm-hmm. if, it sounds, if it sounds not great, I apologize. It'll sound good. You'll, you'll do amazing. It'll be fine. Oh, I promise. All right. Well, until then... For Tyler Palmateer, OU and Kansas on Saturday. Be sure to follow us on uh, all our Twitter accounts and the Transcript Twitter account, which is literally just at Transcript. Uh, follow along for our coverage and Tyler for all the stuff that he'll be writing on Saturday, bringing you all the sweet, sweet, savory content from Oklahoma, KU, and Lawrence. Until then, for Tyler Palmateer, my name is Joe Bettner, and we will catch you next time.